The following program contains adult language and mature subject matter you may consider offensive or upsetting. So piss off now, please. Did your report card always say you talk too much in school? Has anyone ever referred to you as a busybody or troublemaker? And do you generally think your fellow human beings are strange, fascinating, and sometimes horrifying creatures? Then this is the show for you. Welcome to Other People's Business, a podcast for nosy people. Your source for news, gossip, and true crime. I'm Justin Meisner, and whether it's celebrities or civilians, if it's technically none of your business, I'm going to make it mine. So, let's get down to business. Three men from Santa Monica, California, have been charged with kidnapping a 17-year-old on the morning of September 18th and holding him for ransom. Authorities allege the kidnapping took place after the defendant started a traffic incident that resulted in the teen crashing his car into their Jeep Grand Cherokee in San Bernardino County. When the teen got out of his vehicle following the crash, the defendants allegedly grabbed and forced him into their Jeep. Later that afternoon, authorities said the victim's mother received a phone call demanding $500,000 be sent to an unspecified location in Mexico in exchange for the teen. A video was later allegedly sent to the victim's mother from another Mexican phone number via WhatsApp that showed footage of the victim in the back seat of the Jeep. The teen was seen reading from a script, saying that the kidnapping was his father's fault for something that had happened in New York. For several days afterward, the mother allegedly received calls from a number of different Mexican phone numbers which included threats to cut off parts of the teen's body if the payments were not made. The ransom demanded, which went unpaid, was also reduced to $100,000. Law enforcement eventually tracked down the defendants to a Santa Monica motel based on identification of the vehicle used through a Facebook Marketplace post and footage from a ring door camera that recorded the abduction. Authorities found the victim lying on the floor in the corner of the motel room. The defendants are scheduled to appear in court this week. And a Florida woman is speaking out about her recovery one month after getting struck by lightning on the night of August 15th, after stepping outside her Lake Nona apartment to walk her dog. The 28-year-old had just spent the entire evening trying on outfits and painting her nails in anticipation of attending Beyonce's Renaissance tour. After hearing what he described as the loudest boom he had ever heard in his life, the victim's husband found his wife face down on the grass, at first thinking she was dead, noting that at some point between picking her up and the ambulance ride, her heart stopped. The woman had suffered burns all over her body and was placed on life support, and even underwent therapeutic hypothermia to help preserve her brain function. But eventually she opened her eyes and began to respond to her surroundings. And now, out of the hospital and ready to move on from the experience, the woman was reportedly devastated when she was told she had missed the Beyoncé concert. The last time anyone had seen Michaela Byers, she was leaving home on September 15th, possibly for a date, climbing into a white Chevrolet pickup truck with tinted windows. She supposedly had plans to go out with the bald white man with a dark beard in the driver's seat window, who has not been identified. 
Joining investigators with drones and search dogs, Michaela's family participated in the search for their loved one. Until Michaela's cousin discovered her body a few miles from her home. She was wrapped in what her cousin described as waterlogged old pieces of carpet inside of a nearly four-foot drainage culvert in a creek running under a road in Macomb, Oklahoma. Her cause of death and approximate time of death have not yet been determined, but authorities say her death is absolutely foul play. Investigators believe the 30-year-old teaching assistant and mother to six left home voluntarily around 5.30 p.m., according to a statement in a Facebook post by authorities prior to the discovery of her body. Michaela was in an open relationship with her husband and had not been seen alive since she left her home for the supposed date. The truck she was last seen in has an extended cab, but investigators do not have a license plate number, according to her missing persons report. And Boston College has indefinitely suspended their men's and women's swimming and diving teams, pending an investigation into hazing and binge drinking. The university is investigating allegations that freshman members of their teams were forced to binge drink and consume their own vomit, per Boston College's student newspaper, The Heights. According to The Heights, the claims were first brought to light in a letter dated September 19th of this year, sent from an administrator in the office of the Dean of Students to a member of the swimming and diving team. The letter also stated that students engaged in multiple other forcible underage drinking and hazing events that allegedly occurred on campus within two residence halls and at an off-campus house. Boston College has also informed local police about the investigation. And a 14-year-old runaway fatally shot herself in front of a local deputy sheriff on the evening of Saturday, September 16th. The girl was attending an outdoor party in Aurora, Kansas, after she ran away from home earlier that day. Authorities received the call that the girl had run away, and a deputy tracked her down in an attempt to return her home. Once the deputy located the girl, he escorted her to his patrol vehicle and tried to convince her to return to her home. It was then that the girl produced a firearm and fatally shot herself. She was pronounced dead at the scene just after midnight, despite the life-saving measures taken by the deputy and an off-duty firefighter. In addition to the deputy, multiple party attendees also witnessed the incident. Which, to me, begs the question, what the hell was going on in that 14-year-old girl's home that she chose to shoot herself in the head in front of a police officer at a party, rather than face the possibility of returning to her home. She is survived by her parents and four brothers. Daryl George, a junior at Barbers Hill High School, has been placed on in-school suspension since August 31st because of his twisted locks, which the school district says violates their dress and grooming code. He was suspended again last week for having the same hairstyle when he arrived at school. Now, a federal civil rights lawsuit has been filed by the George family against Texas Governor and number one shit-stain Greg Abbott and his henchman, Attorney General Ken Paxton. The suit alleges that the suspension violates Texas Crown Act. The law, which went into effect on September 1st, prohibits natural hair discrimination at work and schools and in housing policies. Abbott himself signed the legislation in May. And lastly, a mother and her three children are considered missing persons, according to Virginia authorities. But the woman's husband, 
says they aren't missing, and he has no reason to be concerned for their safety. The woman and her three children were last seen on September 5th in Franklin County. A missing persons investigation was launched eight days later after the mother failed to appear for a scheduled court appearance on September 13th, an appearance which itself was rescheduled after she failed to appear to an original September 5th court appearance, the day she was last seen. On September 14th, investigators claim that they confirmed Lauren and the kids were in Illinois, noting that the family has connections in other states. The woman's husband and the father of their children says that contrary to what has been reported, his family is not missing and that he has in fact heard from them. And the woman's own mother has even stated she has received phone calls from them, telling her that they were all right, but not indicating where they were. Authorities say phone pings since September 7th have been unsuccessful in locating them as well. For now, authorities say the mom and her three kids officially remain missing. And that was the business. Now from facts to fiction, you be the judge. It's time for the tea. Kathy Griffin is finding comfort in the knowledge that Russell Brand has a price to pay for years of alleged bad behavior. The comic shared an eerie PSA on social media after multiple women accused Russell of rape and sexual misconduct, claiming that, quote, there's so many more coming. It's taken forever to catch up with that sleazebag. And reality stars Jennifer Aiden and Danielle Cabral have been suspended from The Real Housewives of New Jersey after getting into an altercation while filming the Bravo show, according to Page Six. According to their sources, the women got into a heated exchange, which turned physical, during an event hosted by co-star Teresa Judice last week, which was being filmed. And reports over what really went down are conflicting, with some claiming Danielle crumbled up a plastic cocktail cup and threw it at Jennifer, drawing blood. While other sources say Jennifer merely sustained a scratch. Some say Jennifer pushed Danielle, while others add that was merely because Danielle got in Jennifer's face. Whatever the truth is, both women are currently not permitted to film, even alone, as the incident is under internal investigation by Bravo and the production company. The Real Housewives of New Jersey is currently filming its 14th season. And Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde have reportedly settled their bitter custody battle, according to new court filings. The Ted Lasso star has allegedly agreed to pay his ex-wife $27,500 per month in child support for their two children. This settlement, which comes nearly two years after the exes first entered into their legal battle, is said to be based on Sudeikis' estimated 2023 income of $10.5 million versus Wilde's of $500,000. And finally, Canadian gnome Tory Lanes is fearful for his life in jail after being found guilty of shooting Megan the Stallion. According to sources, Tory is scared for his life and safety in prison, feeling like an instant target because of his celebrity status. Bitch, please, you ain't no fucking celebrity. You're tabloid fodder that will soon be forgotten. The rapper arrived at North Kern State Prison in Delano, California last week after being sentenced to a decade behind bars. TMZ reported that so far, he's being held in administrative segregation which keeps him largely apart from other inmates, as well as being escorted to and from the showers where he bathes alone. Added another source, quote, 
He stands 5 foot 3 inches, so his size is definitely going to be a setback. And that was the tea. Every episode, we like to close out our show by taking a quick look at a true crime. Sometimes current, some classic, many solved, too many cold. This is The Lead. In 1980, a pair of women, barefoot and dressed in white robes, walked into an Arizona church with a baby girl. They handed the infant to an astonished congregant and said they were part of a traveling religious sect, then walked out as mysteriously as they had appeared, leaving the child behind. More than 2,000 miles away in Florida, members of the Klaus family were trying to find 21-year-old Dean Klaus, his 17-year-old wife, Tina, and their year-old daughter, Holly Marie. Soon after the young family's move to Louisville, Texas, Dean and Tina's letters home had abruptly stopped. But it would be 41 years before there was a break into the investigation of the family's disappearance. Just last year, genealogy experts identified the bodies of a couple found murdered in Houston back in 1981 as Dean and Tina. But no baby was found with the couple, leaving the family with a haunting question. Where was Holly Marie? Miraculously, a cold case task force newly formed by the Texas Attorney General's office tracked Holly, now 42 and a married mother of five, to her workplace in Oklahoma last June. And on what would have been her father's 63rd birthday, Holly video conferenced with more than a dozen of her relatives for the very first time. While the family is busy planning an in-person reunion with Holly, who has yet to speak publicly about her life, authorities are still trying to piece together potential evidence of who killed her parents. Dean was beaten while Tina had been strangled. And another chilling question, how and why had Holly ended up in the hands of a religious sect? Dean's family had received a call in late 1980 or 1981 from a stranger who claimed to be phoning from Los Angeles and wanted to return Dean's car to Florida. When family members went to retrieve the car in Daytona Beach, they were met by several people, including one who called herself Sister Susan. Sister Susan stated that Tina and Dean had joined their religious group and no longer wanted to have contact with their families or any of their personal possessions. Could sect members have had a motive to kill Dean and Tina? Answering that question, says Dean's brother Chris, is important for everyone, especially Holly. Her parents were stolen from her, he says, and hopefully she'll get answers as to why that happened. Is your mother-in-law the Antichrist? Are your co-workers selfish cows? Or perhaps you've got a neighbor from hell? As long as you've got a story, or just a rant and rave, we want to hear your business. You can be as anonymous as you'd like. So... Send us a voice message today and we might discuss your business on a future show. 
That's all for this episode. I'm Justin Meisner, reminding you not to be a dick today. Goodbye. This has been a Sunday Best podcast.